Welcome to SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities. This educational recovery podcast is presented by Claremont Mental Health and Mandy Friedman, licensed professional clinical counsellor. This presentation contains vital information for survivors of abuse. Topics include the spectrum of abusive personalities, targets of abuse, abusive relationships, and survivors in recovery. We hope this information helps you gain solid footing and clarity as you navigate your road to recovery. Hey guys, Mandy Friedman here, licensed professional clinical counselor and a clinically certified domestic violence counselor and the creator of SNAP, Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities, which is a recovery program for people who have experienced abuse at the hands of narcissists and psychopaths. Today we're going to talk about hoovering. I've noticed that since we're practicing social dis social distancing that um, there's been a little rise in hoovering as a matter of fact. Don't forget that narcissists thrive on emotion and attention and during a time of social distancing they might be starving because <laughs> they're not they're not getting some of those needs met. Um, and so then they may start to get kind of creative uh, with how they, they hoover um, and also they might be circling back to relationships, past relationships that under normal, normal circumstances they wouldn't, um, but because of the extreme circumstance that we're in, um, they're going deep on that list uh, of possibilities. They're just kind of, they'll throw a net to see if you'll bite right? So that's what hoovering is. Hoovering is when um, narcissistic people, abusive or manipulative people try to suck you back into the relationship in some way. Um, I'm sure a lot of you already know this, but just in case you didn't, um, in England they call vacuuming hoovering. So that's where it comes from is it's sucking you back in like a vacuum. Um, and so it's Hoover time these days with lots of creative hoovering strategies and techniques being used. And so I thought it would be a good time to talk about this. Um, so what is hoovering? Hoovering, like I said, is used by manipulative people that you're trying to set boundaries with or that you have previously gone no contact with. So in other words, you've said, look, I don't want to have this style of contact with you. Um, you know, I would prefer that you text only. Um, or it could be, you know, you're not speaking to the person at all. You broke up and went your separate ways or possibly got divorced. Um, you know, so this person would have come into your life in, in a very variety of different ways. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic or intimate partner. Keep that in mind. This can be toxic family members or toxic friends um, from the past. But generally speaking, it's people that you have set boundaries with or you have um, removed from your life entire, entirely for whatever reason. Uh, and so there are different styles of hoovering. I'm going to talk about styles and techniques, okay? So some styles of hoovering would be straw man hoovering. Straw man hoovering is where um, they initiate the interaction um, almost with a, some sort of a mischaracterization or um, a, an accusation. 
um, they launch immediately into some kind of a conflict or argument or um, you know they might insinuate something and then it puts you in the position of having to def defend yourself or explain yourself or correct them right and the reason why I call it straw man is because they're essentially triangulating fictionally they're, they're drumming up a conflict that is not happening in this present moment but somehow they're able to launch it almost through this like imaginary third person and then you get drawn in to argue for that imaginary third person um, so that's straw man style that's usually um, pretty creative and uh, they're going to pull in other people or they're going to um, accuse you of, of being a certain way and mischaracterize you or of have, having done something that you didn't do. Um, uh, another style would be the sympathy plays type style where we're really trying to get sympathy from you um, and, and uh, there's a lot of different techniques for that and I'll talk about that in a second but just generally speaking it's something that's going to pull at your heartstrings or once that's uh, going to make you feel sorry for them or have pity for them um, and of course as empathic survivors uh, we do have sympathy for people, including people that have abused us. So um, you could see yourself, especially in these times, right, where people really truly are struggling and maybe this person really is having some hardship and we're in this like helping caretaking mode, like, oh my gosh, I hope they're okay, because you really genuinely do hope they're okay, right? Um, but what they're doing is they're, they're, remember, attention and emotion narcissists narcissism let's just say that narcissism uh, is fueled by attention and emotion um, and so when there's a sympathy play that's used then that is you know the the aim there is to be fed with emotion and preferably sympathy um, and interest then you know now you have you have their interest he has your she has your interest peaked because they're um, you know, talking about something that happened that was bad and, and now you want to know more. And so you might engage and ask a question like, oh, well, how did that happen? You know, so sympathy plays are very effective uh, ways that they will attempt at hoovering. Um, and then, of course, there's love bombing. And love bombing is something that you'll see in the cycles of abuse during like the honeymoon phase of that cycle. Um, it's also seen in the beginning of relationships during that manufactured soulmate stage. Um, or anytime there's a need for a grandiose gesture to demonstrate, you know, in a very public or grandiose way their feelings for you. Uh, and so there'll be love bombing with. Oh goodness, uh, love bombing with uh, texts that talk about how awesome you are. Um, they're going to love bomb you possibly with like links to different songs that you'll listen to that remind, you know, you guys of each other, um, sending you pictures um, from the past, you know, sort of love bombing type things. Remember this when this happened. Um, and let's see, hold on, I need to write something down real quick. Aha, that this is the love bombing tactic. Sorry, just want to make sure that I am organized with it. Okay, uh, so yeah, love bombing is something that happens at the beginning of relationships and then it happens during the cycles of abuse. Um, and it feels really good. Love bombing is like the best drug ever, like for real. Who doesn't like to be treated that way, right? 
super effective. Um, it also has a neurobiological uh, component where it's the love chemicals that start going off in your brain, which are those feel-good chemicals, and you start to then, you know, kind of get disoriented about who this person really is. Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, grandiose gestures. So a grandiose gesture could be, doesn't necessarily have to be love bombing, but let's say that, you know, your, your parent that's abusive has, you know, um, held on to an item that was yours and they've been holding it out of spite or, you know, something like this. And, and maybe they'll wrap it up and like send it to you in like a gift box and you open it up. I mean, I've heard stories of... Um, uh, the Target's baby items that the, the abusive mother had held on to baby items related to the, the daughter. Um, and as part of not hoovering, but as part of a grandiose gesture demonstration of some sort, um, the mother sent the baby items to the daughter um, in this like very strange packaging situation where the items were like hidden in drawers. It was, yeah. Um, but I think that the narcissistic person in their mind thought that the daughter would get this item and start opening things. Oh, and then I remember this. And, um, but it's a very grand thing that was done, right? So this is when they want all the attention. They want the attention of others while they're doing this gesture. Or it's just something that's um, disproportionate to the way they would usually do things. So perhaps... Um, you know, they would, they would normally be, um, let's see, they would be sorry, but they wouldn't necessarily say that they were sorry, right? So now this time, not only are they going to say that they're sorry, but they're going to sing it to you in a love song with a guitar, you know, and, and like be silly and stuff. And it seems harmless and romantic, right? But it's, your defenses are down. Look, he's being cute or she's being cute. It's so funny. Um, but it's actually this like grandiose gesture. Where do we learn about grandiose gestures? Women, ladies in the audience. Where do we learn about those? Movies and television. That's always what happens in these romantic comedies or romantic movies where, you know, the guy's just gone too far um, or he's been irresponsible or he, you know, he's dropped the ball um, or something, you know. And so then the woman like kicks him out and and then, you know, she says, you know, you you go get your shit together, basically. Um, go figure yourself out or go grow up or go get sober, right? And so then he's like, oh, no, screw you. I'm not going to do those things. And then he wanders away, and now he's starting to think, like, oh, I really do miss her. And, you know, like, you might try dating someone else in the movie, and she's just not nearly as awesome. And so he's, like, really missing her. And so what does he do? A grandiose gesture, right, with the boom box and the, you know, flowers and all that kind of stuff. Well, when the media and uh, art have been telling us um, for our entire lives that uh, a grandiose gesture is a true demonstration of someone's feelings, then it's easy for us to buy into that. Like, wow, he actually wrote a song um, or poems, uh, you know, things like that. So grandiose gestures are things that are just like kind of disproportionate where we're going to blow it way up and make a big deal about it so that lots of people see it, you know. Um, so there's crafty techniques of hoovering. Um, uh, one would be the innocent plea. I just heard one uh, recently uh, and it was, let's see, what was said? Uh, 
So this person, I guess they met at church possibly or worshiping um, at the temple or wherever they go. And since now we're doing social distancing, um, you know, those things are held online now in a virtual way. Um, so this person, th this relationship had ended and, um, and an oddly narcissistic behaviors. Luckily the target is very educated and informed and ha is fearless in confronting narcissism um, when she's dating people. Really cool lady. But anyway, um, she, she said that out of nowhere he texted her recently and said, hey, was just going to church, meaning like watching church. So I was just sitting here on my couch going to church and I thought about you. I hope you're okay. I mean, how innocent is that? I mean, he's at church and he's thinking about you and all he wants to know is that you're okay. There's, I mean, who could complain about that, right? Completely innocent. Um, so they'll come at it from a strategy of just, you know, super benign innocence. Um, and if anyone were to extrapolate anything different, it would make them look bad. Like, how could you even accuse me of being manipulative? I mean, don't you see the pandemic happening? You know, and anyhow, like we met in church. I mean, I'm clearly a good person because I go to church. Um, anyhow, so, you know, there'll be like an innocent plea that puts you in the position of seeming like a real asshole um, if you call them out. Um, another one would be the, the health scare. Ooh, uh, this is a good one. This is a good one for narcissistic mothers, especially. Um, but... It could be a vague health scare. That's usually what the males will do is like a vague health scare where they're just like, hey, I know we're not talking anymore. I know I'm not supposed to call you, but um, I just came back from the doctor and I'm just really scared. I don't know what to do with these feelings. And you're the, you're the person I thought of. So I understand if you don't respond, it's just I'm at a bottom and I need somebody to talk to. Well... We're fixers, savers, rescuers. Um, we fancy ourselves to be uh, like little mini therapists um, for people because we're generally good li listeners. Um, and hey, you know, if the guy is having a moment or let's say it's, it's a mom or, or someone else, you know, they're having a moment and um, you know what it's like to have a moment and maybe, you know, really it would just be super helpful to that person for you to just say, hey, be there, you know, for them. And, uh, and perhaps this is even the bottom that you hoped they'd always hit, you know, like maybe they're in the process of change and wouldn't it be cool if you were like right there to help, right? So, um, so it'll be a vague or an explicit health scare. Uh, here's one, um, I broke my leg, I can't walk, I need you to come get me to take me to the hospital. Well, why can't you call an ambulance? Because I don't wanna pay for it. You know I don't have insurance right now. I just, I need somebody to just take me to the hospital. I swear to God, you can just drop me off there. Um, have you tried calling somebody else? Yeah, I've tried calling everybody and you know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm just, I guess I'll just go drive this person to the hospital, you know, and then you show up and actually they're fine. Literally, true story, fine, nothing. It was just, I had to get you here. I needed to get you face to face because I really need to talk to you about something. Um, basically, 
more hoovering, right? Um, but they want to do their hoovering face-to-face. So they will scare you into um, interacting because you think it's some sort of like a health emergency. Another one would be uh, to announce death, illness, or hardship of shared acquaintances. So, and right now people are having hardship, they're having illness, there's death happening. Um, and so, and everyone's scared, right? So it's, it's, those are some of the ones that I'm seeing right now would be um, just let you know that nobody in our family is sick and we're all doing well. Just letting you know. Um, it could be, hey, I know that uh, you and my grandmother were close. I want you to know that she has symptoms. You know, so now you're like, oh no, his grandmother, I love her. She's in an at-risk category and she might have corona. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful lady. I hope she doesn't die. You know, and then you're like, oh, oh, tell her that I said, right? And then as it turns out, that's not actually what was even going on. Or maybe it was, maybe it was, but you're not a part of that scene anymore. Those aren't your people anymore. Not that you don't love grandma, but, you know, this isn't your life anymore. So... Um, so yeah, they will, they'll announce that someone that they know that you knew, um, or perhaps a place that you used to go to together, um, isn't there anymore. They're shutting down, you know, stuff like that, where they're just kind of sharing news of like negative style news. And it's almost like, uh, it, that also seems innocent, you know, like they're just keeping you informed. Um, and then announcing a milestone. So, hey, I know we're not talking anymore, but I just wanted you to know that I just graduated college. You know, so they like to do that. They like to let you know that they're doing great and they're accomplishing things. So they'll drop like little hints of their successes um, and things like that. And then there's the memory lane plea. Um, I wrote down love bombing here because remember we talked about styles and techniques. So a style of love bombing is let's go down memory lane. So this is when they're going to send you, you know, um, songs, pictures, or, you know, just, you know, type out memories of, of things you experienced together to walk down memory lane with you. Um, and they're going to focus on a good time that they know that you enjoyed too. Um, and in fact, when you read that, you're going to have the thought, yeah, that was nice. Um, and so it's hard to resist. So what should you do when someone is hoovering? First is knowing what it is and how to identify it. And then second is now what? Okay, so, so the text has come in, the, the private message has come in, now what? Well, first and most important is the planned pause, meaning we're not going to respond or react. We're going to sit with this for a while before we do anything. Um, and something that you can do during that time, during your planned pause, is to get out that fact list. Remember we've talked about this. A fact list or a fact sheet helps us in these exact moments. It helps solve that cognitive dissonance when we start to get like, ooh, you know, everything, yeah, they were bad, but look at them now. Maybe it's not that bad anymore, right? Um, uh, or, you know, maybe they've changed or you just forget like the really bad stuff. Um, or maybe not even really bad stuff. It could just be facts that make your relationship impossible. Something like um, has 10 cats, I'm allergic to cats. You know, things like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be 
uh, bad incidents that took place, although those are the most helpful. So you'll have that fact list of he hit me, he cheated on me, he stole from me, um, he called me a whore, uh, and, and things like this. Um, and when, so you have your plan pause, you're going to get out that fact list, you're going to take a look at it, and then after that, now we're more in our logical, rational mind, okay? Um, and then I would also tell someone, tell someone who's on your team, tell someone, and it could be me, it could be a peer, right? It could be your therapist, it could be, but it would be someone who understands your situation and what's going on. And, and in this sense, it's almost like you would be contacting your sponsor, right? A little bit. So it's kind of like, um, hey, I just want you to know that he texted. I haven't texted back. I get those texts all the time from people. And then I get a screenshot of the text, you know, like this hip, look, this just happened. And then we were together in that moment of not doing anything yet. And let's just think about it, sit on it. So tell someone, share it with someone who will hold you accountable. Um, and then, of course, as we've talked about so many times, there's gray rock and there's no contact. No contact means you don't respond. You don't respond. You don't, no matter what, no matter what. Um, I have a million dollar check with your name on it. Mm -mm, still no. Um, so, of course, we just stick with no contact as the simple way. When I say simple, that doesn't mean easy. I said simple. It's not easy, right? Um, it's just sort of the clean um, simpler way to handle things. Then we have gray rock, of course, which I just did a video on gray rock um, and went more in depth about it, what it is and how to do it. Uh, and so you can use gray rock in those moments as well. If this is someone that you don't have a choice, um, that you really do have to respond, um, you know, maybe it's the mom that you're not speaking to, but she also pays your tuition, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and so then you'll just respond with, thanks for telling me, or hope you're okay, or thanks, you know, you just one word, you know, no information is exchanged, um, you've responded, and then what will happen is when it's not the response that they expected, they might lash out. So then we have to be ready for that. And if they're going to lash out, that's okay. Remember, you're a window. It passes through you. You don't internalize it. Um, and in fact, I like, I get a little smile on my face when that happens because it's like, oh, there you are. Yeah, I almost forgot for a second. Duh. Okay, never mind. You know, and then you feel better because they, they just showed their, I mean, they just, um, you know, behave badly. Uh, I think that's all for hoovering today. I'd like to also urge you to um, sign up for our SNAP classes. Uh, it talks about all kinds of stuff related to narcissistic abuse, abusive relationships, abusive people, and recovery from abuse. Um, and that also will connect you with our SNAP coach, Jen, SNAP recovery coach. So it's a system that we use um, in tandem with coaching to help people get through, manage, navigate, and then recover from this style of abuse. So if you're interested in learning more, please private message me, um, or you can email jen at claremontmentalhealth.care. Have a good day. If you like this podcast, subscribe and leave us a review. Find Mandy Friedman, LPCC, CCDVC on YouTube and Facebook. Join the SNAP Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at The Official Snap. Thanks for listening.